Welcome to the Word of Faith Sermon Podcast with Pastor Hagen Lister. Join in with us today, ready to grow in your knowledge of the Bible with practical application for your everyday life. If you're interested in following or learning more, join us on our Facebook page at WOFTX or check out our website at WOFTX.com for location and service times. Now here's Pastor Hagen with today's message. I'm going to talk about Thanksgiving and not just necessarily the holiday, but giving of thanks and how giving of thanks is a celebration of harvest. Amen? Giving of thanks is a celebration of harvest. But the the spin I'm going to put on it this morning just to help you out and just to take it out of this natural realm is that with God... You can give God thanks for a harvest that you have not physically received yet. And it actually helps you to receive. Amen? So in uh, Genesis, the 8th chapter, the 22nd verse, it says, While the earth remains. Is the earth remaining? Well, we're hanging on by a thread, right? But it's still here. The earth is remaining. It says, So while the earth remains, so that means this is still in effect. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest Cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. Now, living in East Texas, you guys ought to uh, be very familiar with uh, cold and heat and winter and summer all in the same day being in effect, right? But it says right here, while, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest. While the earth remains, so the earth is remaining, so we are still in a dispensation of time where there is seed time and harvest, meaning you can plant seeds and you can harvest off of them. Amen? Seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night, and it says it shall not cease. So in this modern world, we may not all be literal farmers. Some of us may be, or some of us may do it as a hobby. We may not all be literal farmers, but we need to understand seed time and harvest because God has not abandon his uh, principles of seed time and harvest. God's not abandoned that. Why? Because he says, as if the world is still here, <laughs> seed time and harvest will not cease to exist. Uh, Jesus talked about this and his, uh, you know, his, his last statements about the parable of the sower. Let's go over there. We're going to be in, in Mark the fourth chapter quite a bit today. So we'll go ahead and turn over there to Mark the fourth chapter. We're going to kind of read it a little bit out of order, but we'll put it all back in order. But in his kind of last statements about the parable of the sower, verses 26 through 29, and he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed. So I love it when Jesus would say before he would make statements, I love how he would say, this is the way the kingdom of God works. Why? Because then we don't have to wonder and guess how the kingdom of God works. Amen? You know, there's a lot of people that go around spouting off a lot of nonsense about how God works. And the reason why is because they've thought about it and thought about it and they've thought about it. And really what they are saying is, if I were God, this is how I would want it to work. They wouldn't say that. But that's what you, that's what you inevitably say when you say, well, I think. Amen? 
Well, it's not necessarily what you think. It's more about what you know about what God's word says about how his kingdom works. And so we don't have to guess. We don't even really have to think a whole lot. All we have to do is read and understand and obey. And so the, Jesus says right here, he says, and, the, and he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, and after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Now we could get real smart about this and we could say, well, yeah, back in those days it says that the, the, the people didn't even... They, they harvested, they planted, they harvested, but they didn't even know how it all worked. But, you know, we're, we're real smart these days, and we know exactly how all of it works. Well, really, you don't. If you take God out of the equation, really, they don't know how it works because you could keep going back and keep going back and keep going back in the process and keep asking the same question, but how did that happen? Well, you know, this, that, and the other happened, but how did that happen? Well, then, you know, the mo molecules, but then that, where would the molecules come from? You could keep going back, and really, this statement is still true. We don't really understand how it all happens and how it all works, even though we have unlocked a lot of secrets behind how to grow things and how to regrow things. And we've even unlocked a lot of secrets about how to combine things and how to make uh, uh, vegetables and fruits bigger and taste better and all those things. You ever seen the pictures of what an apple used to look like 200 years ago versus what an apple looks like today? It's crazy what they used to look like. And, and, and so we've unlocked a lot of things, but this is still holding true. It says, the kingdom of God is like a man who scatters seed on the ground and he sleeps at night and he rises up in the day and the seed sprouts and grows, but he himself doesn't really know how all that works. For the earth yields crops by itself, meaning it was happening before we were making it happen on purpose. Right? After that, the full grain in the head, but when the grain ripens immediately, he puts in the sickle. You don't, know how, you don't have to know how it works to harvest, do you? My grandmother used to have, now I don't know, y'all might laugh at me, but because uh, most people would probably say they're a muscadine, but it wasn't a muscadine. It was a different breed. It was called a scuppinon. Anybody ever heard of a scuppinon? It's like a grape. It's got a really tough, tough shell on it. And so my grandma had a huge one. And every year, by the time school started, they were ripe. And we would go up there and pick those things. And I never once asked, you know, before I eat that, before I harvest that, before I pick that, I need to know exactly how all this works. No, I trusted someone that said, if you pick that and you eat it like this, it's real good. And that's what I did. See, what Jesus is saying says the kingdom of God is like this. You can scatter seed and you can go to sleep and you can rise by day and you can take care of that. And there's some things you can do, but really you don't understand how it works outside of God, but you don't need to know how it works outside of God. All you need to know is what your, your steps in the process are, which is sowing, taking a little bit of care of it, and then self-explanatory, when you see it right, go harvest it. Amen? I'm setting some groundwork for some things, so just... Bear with me. Verse 14 of Mark chapter 4 says this. Jesus said, the sower sows the word. 
So I'm going to kind of work this scripture backwards. But when in verse 14 he says, the sower sows the word. The word of God works like a seed. The ground we sow in or sow that word into is the hearts of men. Whether it's our heart or those that are around us. And so we could say it like this. The word of God is the seed. And we always know, and I hate to take this play out of someone. It it sounds so cliche, even a little bit cheesy, but it's true. The seed is guaranteed. Right? How many of you would say that if God said it in this book, it's guaranteed? Right? So if the word of God is the seed of God. And where we plant it, we're going to see here this this in a minute. Where we plant the word of God is either in our own heart or in the hearts of people around us. If the word of God does not work in someone's life, how many of you know it's not the seed's fault? What would be the variable? The ground you sow it into which is the heart. You know, we, we say statements like this all the time. We say you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them what? Drink. Or I've talked to them till I'm blue in the face. Or it goes in one ear and out the other. Now, if we understand this about the way we try to direct people and about how the way we try to talk to people. Anybody ever tried to tell somebody something and they had more, uh, every, for every answer you had, they had a problem. They didn't want the answer. Right? So if it's that way with our natural way of thinking, our natural way of doing things, you ever seen somebody walk up to a door that it was, it was a pull door, but they were pushing it? Or vice versa? What if that person kept doing the opposite? They kept pushing when it was a pull, and you walked up and said, hey, it's a pull. And they went, no, it's not. It's just not opening. This door doesn't work. Uh, it's, it's a pull. No, it's not. You would have to walk away and say, I don't know. They're not listening. So we understand this naturally. But when it comes to the Word of God, and we don't, Adhere to the word of God. We don't walk in the word of God. We're, maybe we're hearers only, but we're not doers of the word of God. And then we walk around and go, I don't know why the word of God is not working for me. It worked for them and it worked for them and it worked for them. But for some reason, it's not working in me. All of a sudden, we get all these other ideas as to why it doesn't work. When Jesus broke it down real simple and he says, the word of God is like a seed. The the sower sows the word of God. It works like a seed. And if you sow it and if if the ground is good, meaning the heart of that person, not good in a way that you do everything right, but I'm saying receiving that word of God takes care of that word and, and it endeavors to embrace that word until it comes to fruition, then you will have the fruit of what that word says you'll have. The Bible says you can actually renew your mind with the Word of God, and that you should. The problem is we want to hold on to our own thoughts, and we just want all the goodies from God. I mean, how many you know the goodies that you are not experiencing in life from God is probably because you're holding on to thoughts that don't need to be there. And you're not bringing in the words of God into those places because you're afraid it will disturb the weeds that you're already growing. Whoops. 
Stumbled into motives, right? So let's keep going. 1 Corinthians 3, 6 says this. This is the Apostle Paul. And, and people are fighting. And, and, and you, you, think this, you, you might think this is ridiculous, but we still do it today. People are fighting. People are saying, well, I'm better because I'm of Apollos' ministry. I was saved under Apollos' ministry, and so we're better than you. And, and the other people are going, well, I'm better because I was saved under Paul's ministry. And, and we're better because, you know, Paul is Paul. And, you know, who, who even thinks about Apollos? We're better. You say, well, that doesn't happen today. Oh, yeah, yeah, it does. Well, we're better because we're first church of so-and-so. We're better because we're non-denominational so-and-so. We're better because we're first whatever. We're all worth the same. And that's the blood of Jesus, the most valuable thing that there is. We're all worth the same. But these people were fighting that way. And this is what Paul tells them. He goes, look, I planted. Paul says, let me make it the kingdom of God real simple for you. Just like Jesus was trying to make it real simple. Paul says, I planted. Apollos watered. But God gave the increase. Are you saying? Well, he'll, let, me, let me let Paul say it because he says it better than me. He says, so, so then neither he who plants is anything nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. And each one will receive his own reward according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers and you are God's field. So he's talking to a church, the Corinthian church, and some of them were saying, well, you know, back when Apollos came here, I got, I got saved under Apollos' ministry, I'm better. And they said, well, you know, Paul was here who established the church. I got saved and I'm better because Paul saved me. Paul comes in, he goes, listen, I'm nobody. I planted the word. And Apollos is nobody. He watered the word. Where I planted and Apollos watered, God gave increase. So neither is the one who plants anything, neither, neither is the one who waters anything. But they're one. They understand that they're God's fellow workers. They're working together with God, with the Word of God, to plant the Word and to water the Word. But we're expecting that God, and He does, give the increase in your life because you are God's field. Amen? Is this okay? I just wrote this statement. By standing in this pulpit this morning, teaching the Word of God to you, and you here and hearing the Word, we are participating in seed time and harvest. This morning... Right now, we are participating. And I have to look at that that way every, every day. I'm not trying to, to preach a message to wow you. I'm not trying to make you go out of here and go, my goodness, he, what a preacher, or this, that, and the other. Well, what did he say? I don't know, but it sounded good while he was saying it. He was dynamic while he was saying it. I could care less about that. I do understand the fact that people need to be, uh, you need to have a certain type of gift so that people will open up and receive and all those things. But my focus is not on that. My focus is in on how, how much of the word can I get into you this morning because you are the field and we're sowing the seed of the word of God. And if we'll sow it and we'll water it during times of prayer and during times of worship and during times uh, of, of edifying you, then God can give increase in your life. Amen? So my big question to you this morning, you know, I always, I always have a question because I think it's good to question. So my big question to you 
since we're participating in seed time and harvest. And so we know that my job up here this morning is to sow and, and to actually water and other ministers to sow and water and different things like that. So my question to you, if you are the field, what kind of ground are you? You need to ask yourself, what kind of ground am I? Well, let's go to uh, Mark the fourth chapter if you're already there. And we'll start here because maybe you can locate yourself. And this is not to call you out on the carpet or anything like that. But if you can locate yourself, how many of you know, especially with God, but even in the natural, if you have something that is not growing, you can work that land over until you get it to produce. You might have to haul in some fertilizer. You might have to till it up. You might have to break it up. You might have to haul some things away. You might have to weed it. Might have to haul in some more topsoil, but you can get it workable. How many know if we can do that in the natural? The Holy Spirit and the Word of God, if if your heart is not in a place to receive and to and to grow, then if you'll allow the Word and the Holy Spirit to get a hold of you, how many know He can rework the ground of your heart so that you can begin to participate in seed time and harvest? Amen? So let's read this. Um We'll read 3 through 9, and then we'll uh, read uh, 13 through 20. So 3 through 9 in verse, uh, chapter 4 says this, Listen, behold, so I said I worked this backwards, so this is the beginning of it. Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. So you guys know the backstory, but before there was the backstory, there was Jesus just started talking. Jesus would just start talking and telling these parables, and then behind the scenes, the disciples would go, what did you mean? We didn't get it. So he would explain it to them. But this is where he starts. Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened. As he sowed, that some seed fell by the wayside. So if you can get this picture in your head, somebody's planting a garden. But as they're going to plant the garden, some of the seed fell not really where they intended it to fall. Fell by the wayside. And the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it didn't have much earth. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. Now when something doesn't have depth of earth, it, it, it will come up fast and you'll think, man, it's really working. But how many know it went up because it couldn't go down? Right? But if something takes longer to grow... How I many of you know it's hardier? You ever, uh, you, ever, you ever experience trying to chop a tree? Some of you guys maybe, some of you ladies maybe, trying to split a tree that was old growth tree or long growth tree versus one that grows very fast. What you'll find out real quick, one that took a long time to grow, um, it will almost be like a, a bouncy ball when you hit it with a mall. And it'll be heavy and it'll be dense. Why? Because it, it was able to go down into the earth. It was able to grow good and slow and hardy. But it says right here, it says, because it had no depth of earth, it sprang up very quickly. But when the sun was up, it was scorched because it had no root and it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced some 30, some 60, 
and some a hundredfold. And he said to them, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Meaning if you're paying attention to what I'm saying, is it basically most of the time, this is, this is Jesus's, I believe his, uh, his math. If you notice how many different types of hearts were there, there was the wayside heart, there was the stony ground heart, and there was what, the thorn heart, right? And then there was the good heart. So what does that mean? I would take this to mean that Jesus was saying one out of four people are going to get it. One out of four. And you say, well, am I one of the three or am I one of the one? I don't know. That's your decision. That's, that's your decision. How, how well do you receive the word of God? How well do you take care of the word of God? On And you say, well, how do I take care of the word of God? You take care of the word of God by actually walking the word out once it gets on the inside of you. The more you walk it out, the more, the more you'll get out of that. So let's go ahead and go to verse 13. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? So they've Ask the question, we don't understand. So he says, if you don't understand this one, how, do you, how are you going to understand the rest of it? So he breaks it down and he says, the sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. You say, what is that? Well, that could take up a lot of different ways. I've been sitting in a service before where I know that I know that I know. The guy in the pulpit said something that I needed to hear, but I didn't want to hear. Anybody been there? And the longer I wrestle with that, and the longer that I try to go, well, you know, my extenuating circumstance, you know, just fill in the blank allows me to not to have to whatever. How many know that Satan stealing the word immediately? It may have happened to you already this morning. I may have said something. We may have done something in worship. We may have said something during the offering. We may have said something during the announcement. Somebody may have walked up to you and said something this morning, and immediately you, you go, I don't know. I may have said something already where, where you're going, oh man, he's, he's, he's kind of getting close to home there. I know that I've been listening to the word for years and years and years, but there's a lot of things that I'm not doing in the word. And so, you know what? I'm just going to make myself feel better by trying to act like this message for everybody else and not me. If you're doing that this morning, let me put you at ease. You are normal. But just because you're normal doesn't mean you have to stay that way. Amen? You can begin to realize that if the enemy is fighting you on something, if someone begins to bring up the fact that you are in unforgiveness or the fact that, that, you have, that you need to fix this in your life or that in your life, and you continually put that off as if that's not for me, that's not for me, that's not for me. How many you know Satan is not ever about trying to get you in a place where you're going to be blessed and get you in a place where you're going to have the things of God. He's trying to take you away from that. So I have developed a, 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 a something in my heart, like a fail-safe in my heart, that if there's ever something that I begin to 
reject, not because it's false doctrine, but because it's getting up against me and I know that I'm going to have to make a change. You know what I try to do as fast as I can? I try to say, you know what? God is trying to free me from something to get me to a better place and the enemy's trying to hold me back. So I'm just going to bite the bullet and I'm just going to do even though I don't want to do. Amen? A lot of times it's not fun to recognize where you need to change or where the Word of God begins to speak to you. But it says, The sower sows the Word, and these are the ones who fell by the wayside. Where the Word is sown, when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the Word that was sown in their hearts. Another way that this can come about is you can really receive it. And you can go, man, that was good, and I needed to hear that. And because you, you amend it and because you thought it was good and because it spoke to you and because you go, man, I need to start doing that. And I'm telling you what, Monday morning, I am going to turn over a new leaf. And then you walk out of here and, you know, somebody kicked your dog and, you know, somebody dented your car door. You and your husbands and or your, your wife got in a fight or, you know, kids were having a bad day and all this stuff. And, and then all of a sudden... All those things going on just robs that good that you just got out. You know, on a side note, how many know that all, uh, like 90% of marriage fights are stupid? They're all over something dumb. Like 90% of them are all over something dumb. 10% of them, you have to call the cops. Just a side note. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, ground, who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness. They have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the world's sake, immediately they stumble. I've seen my fair share of this. This is not somebody who mentally assents to the word. This is not somebody who receives it and then, and then something happens or anything like that. This is somebody who literally begins to, to be and look established. I mean, they, they start to have fruit. There's joy in their life. They're beginning to do things for the kingdom of God. And, and, and they really look like they're growing. But because there's, there's stone underneath that, there was a little soil there. But because there's stone underneath that, and they're not allowing the word of God to go really into the depths of them. Then when things get tough as a Christian, how, how many of you would raise your hand and say, there has been times where things have gotten tough on me as a Christian? How many of you have ever felt like, now I, I, I'm going to be here with you, so don't be embarrassed. But how many of you have ever truly, let's have a moment of honesty here, and said, I've at least, even for a moment, I have entertained before, not necessarily walking away from this church, but just the church. Like, what, what are we doing this for? What are we doing this for? You know what that is? That is persecution. He said, well, nobody was telling me that they were going to do something to me for continuing to be a Christian. Persecution doesn't always come from a person. That pressure that you feel to abandon ship. That pressure that you feel to go, am I wasting my time here? Like, 
I've seen good people, go, you know, just like God should have done something there. And he didn't. And I've seen people that I put trust in that should have never done that, and they did. And, and I, I just don't understand, and I don't know. You know what's happening? Things of this world are starting to make you think that what you gained in Christ Jesus is not worth the effort in this, in this world. But if you would just take a moment to think about it, just a moment, and said, if God never had one promise for the believer in the word of God outside of missing hell, it would be worth it. But God's so good, there's all kinds of promises. There's promises of health. There's promises of prosperity. There's promises of joy. There's promises of peace. There's all kinds of promises. And there's promises of God using you in a supernatural way. But a lot of times what we do is we begin to dwell on what's not happening. And then the enemy picks that up and go, yeah. You know, why hasn't God done this yet? Why hasn't God done that yet? And how come, if, if everything's just so, so good as a Christian, how come you're seeing people that don't serve God and they're actually having a better time? You know, they don't waste a whole lot of time going to church on Sunday morning or prayer on Sunday night or church on Wednesday night. You know, their business is doing good. They're making all kinds of money. They look like they're having fun and all those different things like that. Why do I have to take time to do something that doesn't even seem like it's working in my life? That's persecution. That's the, for the world's sake. You're beginning to judge the goodness of God based on what worldly people enjoy. Can I say that again? Because I don't know how you, if you realize how good that was. But you're judging the goodness of God based on what worldly people enjoy. And if you're not careful... If I'm not careful, it says that that can create stoniness. We've got some soil there. We received God. We received Christ, his word. And there's, there's some fruit there. I mean, people walk by us and they go, you got some fruit. But really, truth be told, I'm, I'm, I'm on the verge. I'm, I'm one more bad day. I'm one more bad month. I'm one more bad year. I'm one more blow away from it all drying up for me. And we've seen a lot of that lately. These likewise are the ones sown on the stony ground. When they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises, for the, word, for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Immediately they stumble. You know, like I said, I've, I've, we've seen a lot of this lately. I've had a purpose in myself more than once over the course of being a Christian. Just to say that that attitude right there will not break me. Anybody with me? I've, I've just had to dig my Toes in the ground. Dig my heels in 
and say, I am not going to be moved off of the fact that there was a day where I could have done anything and been anywhere and I could have chosen to live any life that I wanted to live and I had that absolute freedom. I didn't have any uh, feeling of I got to go to church. I didn't have any feeling of I got to serve God. I had none of that. None of that was on me. Like I didn't grow up where people were saying you got to serve God. God's got a plan for your life or any of those things. We're going to go to church every time the doors are. I never had any of that. I had complete and total freedom. The school system was telling me, you can be anything you want to be as long as you put your mind to it. So I had complete and total freedom, but I also had misery. I was miserable because I had no purpose and I felt no weight of eternity in me. All I could see was hopelessness. Some of you were probably born and raised in the church and, 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 and maybe you've experienced some of that, but you don't know necessarily what it's like to grow up and, and not have any church, let me just say it this way, church pressure on you. I had no church pressure on me. Some of you may be like, well, I've, I've been to church my whole, my kids may be this way. Every time we're, you know, dad's there, we got to be there and this, that, and the other. They don't say that, but I'm just saying they, they, they've grown up differently than what I've grown up. Let me just tell you, if it was so good out there, I wouldn't be in here. If it was so good out there doing all those things, I wouldn't be here this morning. But I'm going to tell you what I found along with Jesus was Jesus' people. And that changed my life. He saved my life. And Jesus' people helped change my life. Now, along with Jesus' people, I've seen some people come and go. But it didn't change the fact that my life got changed. Is this okay? Verse 18. Now, these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word. And it becomes unfruitful. But I do want to center in on this last one because this is a good one. And I believe this is where we are today. Not thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought, but also saying we are here and we're hearing the word of God. Verse 20 it says, but these are the ones sown on good ground. And, and here's, the, here's the requirements for good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit. Now, whose job is it to make the fruit come? That's God's, right? So if it's God's job to bring in the fruit, to bring the increase, as Paul said, what does it say? It says, but those who are sown on good ground, those who hear the word and accept it. So if he says, hear the word and accept it, hearing and accepting must be two different things. Right? I can hear something all day long. I can even uh, make you think I agreed with you. 
Anybody ever heard somebody say something or that somebody told you something? Probably happens a lot in politics and we say, we just were trying to keep the peace. Anybody ever heard somebody say something and you were standing there and you completely disagreed with it, but because you didn't disagree verbally, they went around telling people that you agreed. Even though all you did was listen. All you did was hear. No, good ground, a good heart is someone who hears the word, but also accepts it. Accepts it as what? Accepts it as truth. And then allows the word of God to bear fruit in you. Amen? Sowing the word into your heart and to the hearts of those around you is the most important thing that you can do for yourself and for those in your life. Isaiah 55, 10 and 11 says this, For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. So go to uh, 2 Corinthians the ninth chapter. I want to show you what the Apostle Paul said about this. And you guys ought to be pretty familiar. We pretty well quote it almost every Sunday uh, during the offering. But this isn't just about uh, money. This is about the Word of God. The seed is the Word of God. And so if you go to 2 Corinthians the ninth chapter, starting in verse 6, Paul says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he's purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance of every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. While you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. Now, I know that that's mostly about sowing of finances and things like that. But I want to bring your attention to some things in there. They said thanksgiving, our giving of thanks, our praise is a key component. Listen to this. It's a key component of anchoring the word of God in our hearts until it makes root and, and it produces. Let me say that again. Thanksgiving is a key component let me, let me see if I can explain this. Because it says, Paul may have planted and Apollos may have watered, but God gives the increase. So what is happening in the meantime? You know, if, if I go and plant uh, a seed and I want, I want a garden, I plant a bunch of seeds. How many of you ever figured out that if I plant those seeds and walk away, now you could just have a, uh, an odd year here in East Texas and and, and you can just walk out there and maybe, maybe uh, you didn't do anything else. And there, there may be a few things there. But if you want a really good garden, if you want a really fruitful year, how many know there's some maintenance involved? 
We know there's lots of weeding. There's a lot of water. You can't water too much. Can't water too little. But you've got, you've got to go out there and prune a lot of times. You've got to prune some of those plants to make sure that they're as fruitful as they can be. And a lot of times we want to say, well, what do I have to do to get the fruitfulness of God in my life? What do I have to do to get the, uh, get the promises of God in my life? Right here it tells you. Praise and thanksgiving is what will cause what, God, what you've allowed God to sow in your heart to water that and to maintain that until you see fruit. You say, well, it can't be that easy. Well, if it was any harder, come on now, right? Praise and thanksgiving. You say, what? How is praising God and thanking God going to do anything for God doing something in my life? I don't know. It just says that's what it, well, that's what it says. Watch. Now may he, that means God, who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed that you have sown and increase, the fruits of your righteousness, while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving. So when you initially get something from God, and you initially say, thank you, God, that you did this for my life, then it's from getting those things. But if you're going to maintain that, which causes thanksgiving through us to God, for the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. So thanksgiving or giving of thanks or praise is a key component of anchoring the word in our hearts until it takes root and produces. I'll say this, most people today abandon their garden before the harvest because it didn't produce fast enough. I think it's the detriment to us having an instant society. Everything is instant, right? The other day, we were amazed. Now, if we lived in a big city, we probably wouldn't be amazed. But um, Christy needed something. And she got on, you know, she's, she's already got, she don't go to Walmart anymore. So if you say, I never see her in Walmart, you never will. She online picks up everything. And uh, I like to go to Walmart. I like to see what they got, you know. And, uh, you know, we, we, she, just, she just orders it and goes and sits there. They put it in her trunk and she comes home. And uh, the other day she ordered something and, it, and it, she wasn't thinking, but she just ordered it and they said, well, they had one in stock or whatever. And she was expecting to go pick it up. Or whatever. I mean, it was like, what, 20 minutes later? They were going to ship it. That's what they are going Yeah. So she ordered it. They said they were going to ship it. She's like, all right, good. It was like 20 minutes. One long. There's a knock on the door in Joaquin, Texas. Open the door. Somebody from Walmart. Here's what you ordered. Like brought it to our house out there in the country. And I was like, what else can we buy? Think about how crazy that is. Instant. And although that's great for commodities and, and things nowadays, but I think also what it does is it makes us extremely impatient for the things of God. Because we want it, say it with me, now. And God said... As long as the earth exists, there will be seed time and harvest. Keyword, time. Seeds take time. So when you are sowing the word of God in your heart, in your life, and you need it now. 
And you're getting impatient because, let's be honest, you've sowed a lot of other kind of seeds up until this point, and now you're reaping a harvest. Or we could say it better, your chickens are coming home to roost. And now you want those chickens taken care of. And I believe that God is good and God is gracious. And he's merciful when we cry out for help. But if you've sown into your life seeds that are of the world and not God for all these years and you're reaping harvest on those things and you've not sown the seeds of the word of God for very long or not given them enough time, it can be a very frustrating process. The first time you ever plant a garden is a very frustrating process, but if you set to say, I'm, I'm committing to do this, and every year I'm going to plant a garden and I'm going to get better at it and I'm going to understand it more and I'm going to understand how to, when I do get a harvest, what to do with that harvest once I get done with the harvest and how to put it up and I'm going to understand how I, can, how I can make the most of this and every year you are more and more prepared, more and more prepared. Well, the things of God are the same way. It's called building a life of righteousness. Now, God has already given you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, but if you're going to build a life of righteousness, then you're going to have to get into the word of God and sow the word of God in your heart and not give up on it, not be the stony ground, not be the thorny ground, not be the ground on the wayside, but you're going to have to commit to that. And if you're going to commit to that, you've got to condition your heart to say that the word of God is of utmost importance to me, that prayer is, a, is of utmost importance to me. Doing what God has call me to do is of utmost importance to me because I want a life that is continually increasing and producing fruit for the kingdom of God. Some 30, some 60, and some 100 fold. My heart is going to be good. It's going to be continually cultivated. I'm not going to allow uh, uh, all the thorns of this world to grow up in my heart. I'm not going to allow stones to be in my, I'm going to go in there and continually start clearing them out. Those stones are strongholds in your life that you will not allow the word of God to touch. You want the word of God to grow around those stones. You want the word of God to grow up in those thorns. But God says, I can't do what I need to do in your life unless you begin to allow me and trust me enough to pull that stone out of your heart. And you know what those stones are. It's different for different people. But nonetheless... They're keeping the word of God from planting deep and rooting. And every day that you choose to continually keep your heart in the condition that is in is another day that the word of God can't grow in there. I can hope and wish all I want that I had a big, nice garden in the backyard full of tomatoes and you know green beans and squash and purple hole peas and all kinds of stuff like that. I wish there was trees that, you know, grew pork chops and bacon. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm, I'm prepping y'all for here just a minute. But I could wish and hope and want all I want. And, and every year I do. I've I planted a garden a couple of times. But every year I go, I think I'm going to plant a garden. And then I don't. And you know why I don't? Because it's work. And it takes time. And it takes complete devotion. You know how many gardens I've started and I ruined them because I went on vacation? Now, transpose that to your life. You know how many times God started a good work in you 
and it was abandoned because you went on vacation. I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about you went on vacation from God. You went on vacation from His Word. You went on vacation from prayer. It doesn't happen automatically. There's seed to be sown. There's seed to be watered. But God will bring increase in your life when you're doing that. It's guaranteed. It can't help but not. So if you're not fruitful in the things of God, it is not because he does not want to bring increase to your life. It's because there may be some work that needs to be done on your heart and a mindset change, a mentality change, a heart change. Is this okay? Galatians 5.9, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Can I read that again to you? Let us not grow weary while doing good. You got 110,000 reasons why today to quit. All kinds of reasons to quit. And nobody would blame you. But if you want to reap in your due season, don't give up. Don't faint. Let God continually do what He does and you just commit to do what He said to do. Keep your heart right. Keep sowing the Word of God in your life. Amen? A couple more statements and I'll be done. Most people abort their blessings because, they, because the weight overtakes their thankfulness, which produces doubt, which kills their faith and uproots the Word of God, nullifying the harvest. Most people abort their blessing because the, the weight overtakes their thankfulness. The weight overtakes your thankfulness. You've forgotten about all the great and wonderful things God's done in your life and all you're concerned about is a little bit of waiting time right now. And it overtakes your thankfulness. You become unthankful. Now you wouldn't say you're unthankful, but in your heart you're unthankful. And that begins to produce doubt of whether God even has done any of it. And then it'll kill your faith. And then the killing of your faith will uproot the word of God that's in you. And then it just completely cancels out that harvest. Verse 7 says this, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that's what he'll reap. Thankfulness will always ensure that you will not abort your harvest. So if you're in a season right now where things aren't just going very good for you and you don't quite know where you're at, it doesn't matter what season you're in, but this would be a, this would be a season where you wouldn't think of praising God or thanking God. But when you get in seasons like that, that's exactly what you need to do. It sounds like and feels like opposite world. I'm depressed and I got that bill in the mail I wasn't expecting and you know, uh, my husband was mean to me. My wife was mean to me. My kids aren't doing right. My church isn't doing right. My town's not doing right. My school's not doing right. My friends all left me. And the last thing you feel like doing is thanking or praising God. You might split the difference and just go, why me, God? 
or, oh God, help me. But if you're in that season right now or if you find yourself in that season, if you'll begin to lift up your hands and thank God, praise God, oh, what do I got to thank him for? Everything. Everything. And dig your heels in the ground and say, I will not be moved by this season. This is a waiting season, not a harvesting season. I'm, I'm in a season of waiting right now, but if I, if I get out of this, if I abort this waiting season, then I'm forfeiting my harvest. But the Word of God says that, that if I won't faint, that if I'll endure, that I will have a harvest in my due time. Apparently it's not my due time right now, but I'm going to thank God for when it is. Amen? I'm not going to sit here and say, well, you know, all these things just happen to me all the time. Why does this always happen to me? You know, if it's going to happen to anybody, it's going to happen to me. You know, that's, you're giving praise to all the bad things that are going on in your life. You're giving attention to all that. You know what I figured out about, about, um, about toxic situations? You know, you, and, you and in and of yourself can be a whole toxic situation. You can have a toxic relationship with your mind. Or it doesn't matter what good is going on, you think it's always bad. And you're always giving praise to that. Yeah, I knew that was going to happen. Oh, I knew that wasn't going to work out when I started. You know, if it's going to happen to somebody, it's going to happen to me. And I tell you what, I don't know why all this stuff just happens to me all the time, but it does. And let me tell you what happened to me last week. You, yourself, and I, you're all, you're toxic. And you know what I've found out is the best thing for a toxic person or a toxic situation is absolute ignoring. And when you praise God, even though you feel that way, you know what you're doing? You're ignoring that. And you're giving praise to the only one that deserves it. And that's the way you find yourself a, a, probably a few minutes, a couple hours, maybe a couple of days later going, I don't feel so bad no more. Why? Because you quit giving praise to your problems by worrying and you begin to give praise to God who can actually do something for you. Amen. I want to thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And if you would like to help us increase our outreach, please like, share, and subscribe to our channel so that we can bring the Word of God to friends and family near you. Don't forget you can check out our location, other podcasts and service times, on our website at woftx.com. If you're in the East Texas area, we'd love for you to stop by and join in for one of our services. We're glad you chose our podcast. Be blessed. We'll see you next time.